Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due. Welcome to Work Talking. Uh, Craig Malonson is your host tonight. That's me. Uh, I don't know why I said it like that in third person, but it may have been because I've had a few adult beverage previous to this, thanks to Jay Walker's suggestion. So, uh, Jay, if you're listening, I, I we have been drinking. So, uh, But Dave Amato is our special guest tonight, and we're going to talk Cajun football. But before we get into that, uh, Dave, I know you're a, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, Brother Martin grad. I'm an Archbishop Shaw grad. Both of us from the New Orleans area, West Bank, East Bank. But uh, I know uh, my thoughts and prayers are with the community there. My brother is in Homa. Uh, uh, I know I've, I've seen Austin Perrin's tweets. His family is from uh, Booty uh, in that area. Uh, Austin wants to bring water and other supplies to his family there. Uh, you can follow Austin on Twitter and get that information. If not, contact me at on twitter uh cajun at cajun fan and uh, uh and i'll be happy to uh get you that information but uh dave i i know we talked before off air but uh, you know uh, devastating there i know i've got family members in grand isle that have camps and everything but uh devastation so no absolutely i've got family in metairie i've got family in mandeville i actually got family in gray an aunt in gray who were all affected by uh, the storm, and it was a it was like we we dodged a huge bullet, and 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 thank we did here in Lafayette, but uh, yeah, absolutely, my thoughts and prayers go out to everybody in the New Orleans uh, metropolitan area, Baton Rouge, um, and I don't say that very often, but uh, my thoughts and prayers go out to everybody that was affected by the storm from from Grand Isle all the way up to you know even jackson mississippi there were people affected all over the place by the storm we 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 were lucky um and they weren't so lucky my brother had a a tree land on his house and i know he was uh, at his house yesterday putting a, a tarp on the roof but yeah uh, if anybody who's listening was affected please please whatever you need to do to help those people out whether it's water or anything absolutely uh help these people as much as possible because it's it's going to be a long a long road up to get get back to where they need to be all i will say is to those that are listening please uh do your homework look at those charities make sure that the the it's going where it needs to be um and for those that that are maybe outside of louisiana there is much uh, much damage outside of new orleans as there is in new orleans so uh, got the hiccups there almost for a second, uh, but the the, uh, the national media focuses on New Orleans so much. You mentioned Gray. Most people don't know where Gray is. It's right next to Homa, uh, in between. I believe in between Raceland and Homa. That's um, exactly where it is. Yes, sir. Uh, my my family. Uh, my dad was from uh, the race uh, was from Thibodeau, moved to Raceland, graduated high school in Raceland when Raceland still had a high school before Central Lafouche came along. So, I mean, I have lots of family, and uh, if you're from South Louisiana, it's more than likely your family was affected. So, thoughts and prayers, and more than thoughts and prayers, I'm sending my money, my water, doing what I can. So, more than thoughts and prayers, but if all you have are thoughts and prayers, hey, 
give what you can. That's what, and that's what you can give. Love you for that. So thank you, everyone. Yes, sir. Uh, let's move on. We're going to skip the Texas game right now, but we're going to move into Cajun, <laughs> Cajun territory because we're going to discuss in the second half of, the, of our show uh, the uh, Texas game. But let's just skip Texas. Let's let's assume Texas is moving on to the end of the schedule. First of all, give me your impression of the Cajuns, what we've got coming back. I, I know the two deep. I don't know if you were able to get into that tonight. It was released late this afternoon. So, uh, wait, wait, before we start though, Dave, I know our yeah, listeners, yeah. I know our listeners have been, this is the most intriguing part as you, as I see you on the video screen, taking a sip of your, uh, beverage there. Uh, I am, uh, drinking, uh, a little, uh, um, Elijah Craig rye for those in Louisiana, you haven't seen yet, but for those who are going to the Texas game, stop along the way, stop at spec, stop at total wine. Get you a bottle of Elijah Craig Rye. I'm telling you, you will not dis be disappointed. And if you do that, do do the, do do that. Easy for me to say. Please pick me up a bottle. Bring it back to Lafayette. I will gladly pay you the cost of that <laughs> and a two dollar shipping fee. So, <laughs> but what do you? What, what is your adult beverage tonight? There, it looks like a beer. I, it is a beer. Um, it's a gnarly barley, which is out of Hammond, Louisiana um Oktoberfest it's called Fest beer um so it's just starting to get into all the Oktoberfest beers so that is what I have tonight but I've actually got a collection of different things that I'll probably be mixing in as we go along well you um, you'll just have to stop me at some ahead. point and let me know that uh that you've uh, attempted something different so absolutely absolutely uh, you know, the hardest thing for me growing up was I was a 13-year-old living in Germany when we left Germany. And Oktoberfest in Germany obviously is a big thing. And as a 13-year-old, I might have had a few sips of dad's beer, but, you know, you didn't have it like you have now. So That's right. So uh, let's let's talk about the Cajuns first before uh, the, uh, the lineup. Let's talk about what's going on, and then we'll jump into the schedule. Yeah, no, we've been we've been doing this for two weeks and we haven't even well, I won't say we haven't even, but we haven't spent a whole lot of time talking about the Cajuns and this will be this will be fun because this is what we both know, right? Um the 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 other teams I gotta do a lot of research on uh, with the Cajuns. I've I got a pretty good knowledge of of where we are. So look, this team gets back everything on defense. Um and I think that's gonna be the special piece to this team. Um, that defense was pretty good last year. They had their moments where they struggled, but they were good. Um, every single player comes back and they're just going to be better because, uh, there's some talent that's come onto this team. I wrote some notes down. I've got some, some offensive and defensive players to watch that are my, um, lesser known players. Um, and on defense, I, 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 I'm really excited to see Mason Narcisse, um, he was a guy we brought in a couple of years ago and, and he's, he'll be a freshman this year. Um, but he is, he's going to be a disruptor on the defensive line. He's on the two deep behind Zion Hill, who is arguably one of the better players on this team. So, um, he'll get his moments because, uh, as you and I discussed, Billy, Billy really likes to, to, to rotate his offensive and defensive linemen a lot. Uh, so I think we'll see Mason play quite a bit. So I'm excited to see him on the field. 
on offense, I've got a surprise pick for a lot of people. Um, there's a wide receiver who was a late signee that I'm really excited to see. And I was really excited to see his name on the uh, too deep. And that's Michael Jefferson. And for those that don't know who Michael Jefferson is, he's a transfer from Alabama State. Um, was probably the best receiver Alabama State had. And he, he's coming to us. He's listed as a junior. Um, this kid is long. He's six foot three. Um, he was by far their best receiver. So I'm excited to see what he can do. He's going to be on the two deep behind Kyra Lacey, who arguably between him and Peter LeBlanc are our best two receivers, right? So this is a newcomer that I, I, I'm super excited to see. Look, the big question, Mark, I think everybody has for the Cajuns is how do you replace two running backs who are going to be in the NFL, right? One who made the lineup um, for for his team and the other one, I believe, that got put on the practice squad, Trey Regis. Right. Uh, but they're both in the NFL. And and, and the reality is, is uh, those were special players. But we've got a ton of talent coming back at the running back position. Uh, Chris Smith, obviously, is the guy that everybody knows, um, who is really a kick returner who plays running back. And then Imani Bailey, who gave us a little flash of what he can do uh, last season. But there are a lot of young guys behind him. Uh, Johnson is going to be a special player. Um, obviously, TJ Wisham, who's been on the team a couple of years now, transfer from Army. And then there's a couple of other freshmen behind him. I, I, my biggest question when I look at this offense uh, is at the wide receiver position and at the running back position, you don't have enough footballs to give all these guys the ball. Um, you think about wide receiver, right? At, at, at one wide receiver position, we have Peter LeBlanc, Errol Rogers, and Dante Fleming, who all put up numbers last year. At another wide receiver, Jalen Williams, who's been with the program a couple of years, transfer from LSU. Um, and then you've got at, at the other wide receiver position, Kyron Lacey and Michael Jefferson and John Stevens Jr., who is a transfer from TCU, who I really think is a special player. I, I Again, I just listed a number of guys. It's going to be hard to get all these guys to football, right? It's just going to be interesting to see how they play. And we haven't talked about some of these other guys. Caleb Carter performed pretty well last year. They're really excited about Jacob Bernard, who didn't do much last year, but has come on. You know, I, I think in it, the, the coaches are really excited about him. Devin Pauly, uh, I've got a handful of Cajun fans that I, I, I watch the games with, I go to the games with, who will tell you Devin Pauly makes one catch a game, but it's always the most important catch of the game. Um, he made a catch against Iowa State that probably made us win the game, right? It was a third and long, and we had to make that conversion, and he was the guy who made the catch. But he's, he's done that. He's always been the guy makes one or two catches a game, but they're always super important. And that's just on the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball, the talent is immense. Taylor Humphrey is going to be, you know, big sauce, as they call him, is, is the man, right? He's the man in the middle, blocking, stopping everything. We talked about Zion Hill, but, but Lorenzo, the, the linebacker core is where I get super excited to watch. Lorenzo McCaskill, Chris Moncrie, Farad Gardner, I mean, these these are guys who put up 
great numbers last year. And, and then the, on the back end, we've got two really good corners. Uh, Eric Garrar has been fantastic since he's been here. He's a little bit of an undersized guy, but he's played unbelievable football. Uh, and, then, and then they've got a problem at the other cornerback because Makai Garner and A.J. Washington both played well last year. So they're going to have to figure that out. Um, one of them obviously can be a, a little bit of a nickel guy. But then the safeties, Percy Butler is all over the field. Brilliant Trillant Tron is always a great player. We've got so much talent on this football team. And I don't know. We're going to talk about the Texas game in a little bit. I don't know if we're going to beat Texas. I'm going to give you my prediction at some point. I don't know if we're going to beat them. But this football team is really good. They're really good on offense, on defense. There are a couple of question marks. The running back position is going to be a question mark to see who eventually becomes the guy or the two guys. And then I've always got a question mark at at the the place kicking position because um, Kenneth Almendaris is going to be the guy. We know that they've announced that he's the he's probably going to be the starter. But we've had questions there. Kenneth Kenneth's done a phenomenal job when he's come into play, but I don't think people are are so excited that he's our place kicker it's almost like he won the job because the other guy wasn't as good right so so that's going to be look Reese Burns is as good as they come Chris Smith is a great kick returner and Aaron is a great punt returner I think the only questions that I look at on this offense defense and special teams are the running back position and the place kicking position and outside of that This is a solid football team, top to bottom. Well, let's go back real quick to uh, uh, Zion Hill, because I'll be honest with you. I was at media days. uh, I I was there. I ran the equipment when Jay did the recording. He interviewed Zion Hill. And and when I saw Zion Hill, I thought from his play on the field, I thought he was 6'4", 6'5". And then he, yeah, and then I'm and I'm seeing him now. Part of it, he was next to Max Mitchell and Billy Napier, yeah. so and who are two pretty tall guys. But I'm sitting there right. going like, I, I told Jay and Cody, I said, man, you know, I said I thought Zion Hill was six three, six four, at least maybe six five, because he plays so big. And I think that, yeah. I, and I think that is a, and not to, I don't want to sound to toot my horn, but. I think that's a great compliment to him because I don't think people realize his size because he plays bigger. I mean, is that your impression yeah. also, or is that, or is or is that just, yeah, me? no, no, I think you're absolutely right. He reminds me now they played a little bit of a different position, but he reminds me of a little bit of a former Cajun that some people will remember, but Derek Dean who played for the Cajuns, who was a nose tackle. Um, and, and, and it always seemed like Derek Dean was involved in every play, right? He was always blocking up the middle and you thought that this guy was a much bigger, he was, believe me, he was a wide body, yeah. but he wasn't as tall as you expected him. And Zion Hill plays that way too. I think he's a, he, look, he can do some special things. He's a special athlete. Um, and, and I think he's become better when Taylor Humphrey got to this team. Uh, um, he was already a really good player, 
but the fact that it's hard to block Taylor Hufford makes him even a better football player. Well, we, 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 when you see the emergence of Chris Moncrie and Bernard Gardner, I mean, I mean, I think all of those players complement each other and, you know, yes. and, and, in, in Zion is 6'1", 278. And I went stand up next. I'm like, I don't believe you're 6'1", man. Because you're walking up to me and I'm more like, so I'm more like, I, I'm like, I said, okay. I said, you got it. I said, even with the hair, you might be 6'2 with the hair, but you know, with the hair. But, but I'm going like, okay, you got, you, you're right. I'm six foot. You got me. And, uh, but you know, 278 pounds, he's listed. And I can tell you now the man was in a suit and I'm not going to call him a young man because he's a man. Uh, yeah. He is he is in a suit, and uh, and just um, you don't see that an ounce of body fat like you saw. I mean, the team. Now, don't get me wrong. I had this conversation with somebody earlier today that I I think without HUD we don't get to building Napier, but at the same time, yeah. HUD HUD was old school with these big body linemen who were just you know yeah. you know you know if you're if you're up in Wisconsin and Michigan, those cornfed corn fed boys you know yeah you're going to stack the line and you're going to beat pound but that's not college football today so right no and, and look i i read somewhere where uh, on a texas uh one of the texas longhorn boards they were saying well look they only have one defensive lineman who's over 300 pounds well I, you could go up and down the sec and the acc and the big 10 and the big 12 and they, there's not a ton of, of over 300 pound defensive linemen anymore. They because of the O's and all the other new offenses and how they're running the ball and running and passing the ball. They want fast defensive linemen. You usually have a big nose tackle, and that's what we've got, right? We've got a 350 pound man in the middle, but the guys on the play on the outside of him are usually, you know, athletic 275, 280 pound guys and that's what we've got Andre Jones beast I mean he is just he's a special player um and he didn't come in with a whole lot of fanfare and he's a, a guy who makes plays all over the field uh, Zion Hill is just special. and look I don't know I don't know how close you got to Chauncey Manack but I saw him at the App State game that man and, and he is a man he is a, a large man he is a special body. At our, our linebackers, I, I'm telling you, are too deep on the linebackers are special. It's going to be fun to see this season. I'm, I'm super. I'm so excited about the season. Yeah, you, know, you know, you bring up the fact with 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 the with the the big linemen, offense and defensive linemen, and you saw that in the second half of the Iowa State game, and I think that's that was probably. No offense to our team, but that was probably the best game we played because they literally gave up at the end. We shut them down. They didn't yeah. score any points. Their coach at the end of the game didn't call any timeouts. I yeah. had a, I had a conversation with Coach Napier, which I won't go into right now. But uh, in my opinion, again, this was not Coach Napier. They were beat down. I mean, they yeah. they they had lost the game. They they had no energy. Now some of that they could did. have been. The whole COVID thing, they didn't have the big boys didn't have time to condition going in and all. So, but we didn't either. We didn't either. And our guys were right. a, little, a little smaller, a little more nimble. But at the same time, we won that game. It wasn't because of uh, yeah. it wasn't because of uh, kickoff returns or punt returns. And you know something? Until you take away those 
those those plays in a game, it's still part of the game. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, right. Dave, does a punt return for a touchdown count the same as a running touchdown or a passing touchdown? It it absolutely does. And look, we beat them 31 to 14. We didn't beat them by a field goal. We beat them handily. Even if you take away those two touchdowns, we won that football game. The yes. other piece that people don't remember is we missed two field goals. Yes. Right? Two what we thought were going to be chip shot field goals. That game could have easily been 37 to 14, and it wasn't, right? We we won that game. Look, the, the, the special teams helped. There's no question yes. about it. But it's still part of the football game, as you said. And we beat – in the second half of that game, it wasn't even close. It well, really wasn't a close football game. Well, you know, with, with all of that being said and everything, you know, also the, the, the fact remains that, you know, if, if it would have been playing seven, seven weeks later, 12 weeks later, would it been, would there have been a different outcome? I don't know. It, I, it, I, it, it, well, it well could have. But the fact remains that we didn't play them 12 weeks later. We played them we that played weekend. Them, we played them when we played them. And when the contract was signed, we knew who we were playing. They knew who they were playing. If they took us lightly, shame on them. You know, fact remains is that we beat them. And I'm sorry, you can say what you want. All you Texas fans or anybody else that wants to talk about the Cajuns, we beat them and we beat them like redheaded stepchildren. No offense to redheaded stepchildren, but you know. No, I, I look, I, I, you know, I, and I heard this, you know, it's gone back and forth. I've read a lot where they said, well, they, they didn't really beat Iowa State. It was, it was a closer game than the score indicated. No, it wasn't. Other people say, it wasn't, though. They, I know. No, no, I agree with you. But I heard other people say, look, it was a complete beatdown. It was somewhere in the middle. We were the better team that day yes. on all facets of the football field. On, on defense, we were the better team. There was no question. On special teams, we were by far the better better team, and that was after missing two field goals. And then on on offense, I would call it maybe a push at best. It was a push. But look, we came up with a big play when we needed to come up with a big play, and that was the pass to Peter LeBlanc. But but then at the end of the game, when we had to just ground and pass. Remember, this was the big piece of this game, and I talk to people all the time about this game. The one thing that people don't remember was we did not run the ball well against Tech, against Iowa State. We struggled to run the ball most of the game. But what I loved about Billy Napier was he never gave up on running the ball. And at the end of the game, the reason we won that game was because we began to run the ball at the end of the game like we wanted to at the beginning of the game. But the most important piece was we controlled the clock because we kept handing the ball off and Trey Regis and, and Elijah Mitchell kept just pounding for four, five, five, six, seven yards at a pop. And that was the difference at the end of the game. That's what I was going to say. It wasn't huge runs. It wasn't breaking one for 25, 35, 50 yards. It was, it was at three, four, five yard pops at a time that, that led us in there. So absolutely. Um, We've talked enough about Iowa State. It's it's in the past. Let's look to the future. We're going to move right Absolutely. into Nichols. Uh, I, I honestly don't know if the Nichols game will happen. Uh, so, Nichols, yeah, Nichols I, is up. Listening. I was just saying, Nichols is up in Memphis. 
they play Memphis this weekend. I understand that. Now it's possible that they could stay there for a few uh, to the end of the week, which would be very costly for them and then come back and play us. But the fact is there's no hotels, not that they would spend the night in, in, in Lafayette, but I don't know that they can spend yeah. the night in Thibodeau. Uh, you know, so yeah. I, I just don't know if that game happens. And honestly, it's so, a game that if it doesn't happen, it, it's not, it doesn't affect either team that really greatly. It, it, it's the it's the one game that we can afford to not play. Now, I, I, I did hear an interview with uh, Dr. Maggard this morning where okay. he mentioned that um, he's been in contact with Nichols and 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 uh, Coach Napier has been in contact with Coach Rebo, and they're trying to figure out how to make this game happen. They're, they're they really want it to happen, uh, but they obviously know there's some issues. It might be a situation where Nichols comes in for the day, plays the game, and leaves immediately and goes somewhere else. Well, um, that's, that's what they the normally do. Yeah. But uh, I just and they, well, but they won't go home. Obviously, right. oh, they'll okay. have to yeah. go somewhere else. Yeah. So I, I don't know what their schedule looks like after that, which is you know. Yeah, and and I I don't know either, and I can look and tell you. Um, I I, I know they would like to play the game. Obviously, there's a ton of reasons to play that game yeah. that are exciting for Cajun fans and and um, Nichols fans. Um, I here's what's interesting about that game. I looked at their entire coaching staff today. Do you know there's only three coaching members of their coaching staff that have not coached at the University of Louisiana at some point in their career? Um, almost every member of that coaching staff has been a coach at, at in Lafayette at some point in their careers. Well, I know Rebo is from the area. He coached uh, from the, the Nichols uh, Thibodeau area uh, and, and coached here and was a great AXA act. act uh, shoot a great asset to us yeah. when he was here so and well, i'm sure i mean marquis yeah marquis lovings is on that staff who coached under coach um coach hud but um uh lionel stokes who played for us yeah. is on that staff and there's a their offensive coordinator is on it so they play they actually have a week off after they play us and then oh. they 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 play uh, in Thibodeau against North Alabama two weeks later, so there is a break after that that game. So. That might actually work out because if they stayed in Memphis and came down and played the game, uh, maybe staying a little bit north in Alexandria or Shreveport or right. somewhere, right. doing something like that, and then coming in for the day of the game since it's a six o'clock game, that might work out for them and them having a week off in between. So. Okay, I'm I'm feeling a little bit about better about the game, but let's be honest. So it's not uh, if it's a competition, it's not going to be a competitive game. I mean, I love Tim no, Rebo. It's not. I do too. Um, they've got some talent on that team. They got a lot of transfers. Their quarterback is a guy who people in Louisiana know pretty well. Uh, uh, Lindsey, uh, help me here. His name, uh, Lindsey Scott. Lindsey Scott Jr. Yeah, um, that played he, for Georgia's wide receiver. Yeah, he yeah, and he's and played for the same. Got drafted by the Saints yes. as well. Um, but he played, uh, started at LSU, transferred to Missouri, and now is playing for them. They got a ton of transfers from from pretty good schools there. But that game's not going to be close. Um, no. 
but it'll be it, it'll be fun because look, everybody loves Coach Rebo. Everybody you know knows that you know he he's a great guy and, and was a great asset, like you said. Um, but that game's not going to be close. I think the next game is the one that I still think we win. But that'll be a much better uh, kind of guide to how the season's. Ohio's an interesting football team. Um, they're expected to be pretty good in the MAC, but we know the MAC isn't, you know, the best conference in college football. Um, but and they've got a coach that they didn't expect to be the head coach. Uh, late in the the off season, um, their head coach re- retired. Um, health he reasons. There for a long time. Yeah, for health reasons. So they had to make a quick change at head coach. Um, they've got a quarterback who we know well because his big brother played against us. Uh, we beat him, but, but his uh, he's a Canadian gentleman, um, and it's O'Rourke is his last name. His brother was the quarterback there for a long time and owns a ton of records. They're going to be a tough out. We're going to beat them if, if everything goes well. We should beat them, but it's going to be a, a a closer game than I think people expect. Um, you see Ohio on the on the on the uh, on the schedule, and you make the assumption that we're going to just roll through them. I don't think that's going to happen. I think this team's going to give us a little bit of a fight. The fact that it's at Cajun Field should give us the advantage, and we win that game. I, I agree. I enjoyed going up there to uh, Ohio uh, and, and playing them. Uh, uh, just, just an FYI, uh, uh, Russ, Russ Einstein, uh, who is the voice of the Bobcats, will be on the podcast later on. My hope is to have two podcasts with him. One, talking about Mac Nation and talking about what's going on in the Mac and talking about these weeknight games, what it did, if he really think it crushed Mac Nation or not. Talk about those things. Russ has agreed to come on already. And Russ will be joining us. Besides our regular weekly podcast with Dave Amato talking Cajun football, I'm hoping Dave will join us for when we interview Russ Einstein. So if, if, if we can work that all out, we'll have all of that. Russ has been a friend now for a couple of years. Uh, uh, th- for those that don't, uh, that don't remember, Jim Harris, uh, former RCAF executive, yeah. uh, spent some time at Ohio and introduced me to Russ. So, uh, and I spent some time uh, dealing with Ohio University in a previous job. But right now, before we get any more into the schedule, we're going to take our first break. You're listening to We're Talking with Craig Malasa and Dave Amato. So we'll be right back after this brief message. If I can find the stop button. Welcome back to We're Talking. Craig Malasa tonight with... Uh, Dave Amato, Dave, uh, you know, we talked earlier about, uh, I just want to mention again, and uh, before we start, uh, thoughts and prayers with everybody in uh, not just New Orleans, for those that don't know, Lafouche Parish, Terrebonne Parish, all of those parishes down there. If you've got the chance, uh, do your homework, though. Uh, please give to what you can. Uh, for anybody that has some uh, a family that's gone to UL, I know they probably have family there. So, uh, Dave, we, we, you know, we talked about the, well, I guess we only talked about the first two games. Let's move on. After, after two home games, uh, we are moving on to two away games with Georgia Southern and South Alabama. Let's start with Georgia Southern first. And, and we talked about them in our overall uh, podcast about the Sunbelt Conference East. But let's get more, a little bit more specific here. 
what you see uh is there been anything new uh is there something there that that i guess frightens you in a sense i think that georgia southern as the year goes on will be a better team and improve as each game goes on because they have a young quarter or a new quarterback i'm not sure if he's young i'll let you get into that yeah no so um i i learned something new this week um two things new about their quarterback situation uh justin tomlin is the projected starter but he has uh suspended for the first two games of the season now that won't affect him in conference play because they played two out of conference games in the first two games um but then the the suspected backup was a transfer from georgia tech in james graham he was then moved to wide receiver and now he is no longer on the roster so i don't know what happened with james graham but their backup quarterback will be starting the first two games of the season. And I don't know who that's going to be. I really don't. They're going way deep in their bag of tricks um, at, at, at the starting quarterback position. Uh, obviously when he comes back, when he's off the suspension, um, Justin Tomlin will be the guy, uh, but he's going to miss the first two games of the season. So his first game will be against us. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he plays. I think the Cajuns don't have much of a struggle. I know we struggled with them last season. I don't think we have much of a struggle with Georgia Southern in that game. Uh, I expect we would win that game, even though it's on the road. Um, but they will have uh, either one of their two young quarterbacks that are behind Justin Tomlin or Justin Tomlin will come in and try to play that game. But he will not be, you know, with the team as a right. starting quarterback coming into our, our game. So I, I think we win that game. Um, but Georgia Southern is always a tough out when you go to their place. It's a beautiful, you know, it's, it's outside of uh, Savannah, Georgia, but it's, it's a beautiful place to play. I, I think it'll be a, it'll be a fun game, but I think the Cajuns are the better team in that game. Well, for those that don't know, Georgia Southern's in uh, Statesboro, Georgia, uh, I won't say made famous by uh, the, the Almond Brothers, but uh, for me, that's where it's made from. Famous from State right. Burles Blues, but uh, uh, I've enjoyed uh, looking for barbecue there, looking for places to eat there. Excellent place. Uh, I, I made no uh, no bones about it. I've got friends there, and I love them to death. And I'm looking. Uh, I'm hoping I get. I'm hoping at that point I make the trip. At this point, I don't know whether I'll be traveling with the team or not. Lots lots of moving parts there. So, uh, hope to see uh, Danny and Colin. And hopefully one or both of them will be on beforehand. And hopefully even before that, uh, I'm hoping that I can get their opinion of, if nothing else, the uh, Sunbelt Conference East Conference and what Georgia Southern is doing. So uh, one good thing about working with the radio crew is, is being able to become friends with these guys. And uh, I texted with Danny yesterday. Danny moved into the house uh, recently, and I suggested some bourbon for him to uh, christen the house with. And uh, he texted me, said it was a good deal. So uh, looking forward to seeing you guys. If you're listening, I know they do listen. Uh, but next up, uh, another trip, which in the past, maybe not the recent past, but in the past, the two teams, the home team is one with South Alabama and the Cajuns. What, what do you see there with South Alabama? That's kind of, it's kind of one of those things yeah. that kind of scares me to a certain point, but not really. 
South Alabama, I think, scares me because of the unknowns. We talked about it last week a little bit, the, the 17 uh, transfers that they have out of their 20 new players, uh, either between junior college or, or, or a lot of P5 uh, guys coming in, specifically at the wide receiver position. And, and, and it's going to be interesting. I, I think we're a better team in South Alabama. I think we're going to beat them as long as everything stays like it is uh, health-wise. I think we're the better team, but South Alabama can give us a look. It's a, it's on the road going to Mobile. That's a game I'm really looking forward to. I've already made my my plans to go, uh, but yeah, it's going to be a South Alabama is going to be a good test for us on the road. Um, they're a big unknown because of all the transfers. I we don't know what we're going to see, and, and on October second, they'll know a, a lot more about what they are. Right. I don't think anybody knows what South Alabama is. They got a new coach, a lot of transfers. We'll see and, and be able to get, you know, the first three games, we'll be able to tell what they are. I think that, they, you know, I think they start early in the season with Southern Miss. That's going to tell a lot about that football team. We'll be able to get it. We'll get into them more as they come along. Right now, we're just kind of, I mean, for those that are listening, we're kind of doing, we're not doing a deep dive because, you know, lots of things change, like Georgia Southern with their quarterback being out and everything. So, but we'll, we'll get into them more, but it's kind of one of those things that, you know, you want to talk about the Cajun schedule because it, it really brings up some intriguing things with the travel to Georgia Southern, the travel to South Alabama. And before we get into our next game, don't just, just a reminder that you're listening to, we're talking with Craig Malonson and Dave Amato. Uh, please, if you can, give to uh hurricane relief in south south louisiana just not the new orleans area remember lafouche paris remember terrible parish other parishes that have been uh been been affected by that anything that you can do support them we would all appreciate that we all have family there so dave moving on though georgia southern south alabama two away games which are both are very intriguing because of the history but i agree with you georgia southern and which may be beneficial to them come back with their quarterback who's been suspended and this then South Alabama with the P five transfers and being on the road, but then the Cajuns come home to Appalachian state. What are you looking there? It's a Tuesday night. We've got 10 days off in between games. Help or hurts the Cajuns. I think it helps. I, I love, I look, I always love the app state game. That's a little bit of a, you know, fun thing for me for living in that, that area for a long time. Uh, I'm excited about that. I wish it wasn't on a Tuesday night, but look, we can't have everything we want. Um, apps team, look, apps going to be good. Apps always good. Apps going to be good, whether they're great or they're, they're never going to be bad. That's what we know. Um, I like having them at Cajun field. I like having 10 days off. Um, I, I think at that point we go into that game at worst, uh, four and one, uh, at best five and oh, I really believe that. And that's a game that's going to tell us where we are, right? We go out and beat Appalachian state. Then all of a sudden, you know, we could be six and oh, at that point with some games that I think are very winnable coming right behind that. So, um, I, 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 I look, I think the 10 days off is a, a big, big advantage for the Cajuns. There's no, and I, I, they, a brand new quarterback who was a transfer from Duke, but they've got some question marks as well. But I look, I think, I think, I think if we play half as well as we did in the most rain soaked field, 
and 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 don't snap the ball our punter's head 17 times we will beat them again uh, but, but it's going to be a tough game apps good apps are very good football team you know it's one of the things uh you know they they're at georgia state so they've got a disadvantage by going to georgia state but easy flight for them and going to georgia state yeah. and coming back but at the same time you know before last year with 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 covid carolina i mean coastal carolina excuse me uh but COVID Carolina last year, I know I mean COVID Carolina, screw you bastards, excuse my language, but uh, before COVID Carolina last year, App State was a team to hate, and before them, App State, it was Arkansas State, who we have next, uh, nine days later on a Thursday night at Arkansas State, which has always been a tough place to play. What are you seeing there with Arkansas State? What's it up? Got a new coach. I'm sure you got new players, new quarterback, all kind of different things going on. What are we looking at there with Arkansas State? Yeah, they look, they've got a new and an old quarterback, right? They've got a guy who was a part-time starter last year. He was the half half starter last year. He's going to be the full-time guy this year. I look, Arkansas State's they're the biggest question mark in this conference. The expectation is always that Arkansas State's going to be good. They lost a ton from last year. We talked about that last week. I don't, I don't see them being as good as they traditionally are. And I think it's a team that we should, all things being equal, we should be. Um, but uh, you never know. I mean, Arkansas to go to Jonesboro. We again, we get nine days off. I like that. I like the fact that we got a chance to get healthy get some time off and go in there. Um, but they're, they, they've got a ton of transfers as well, just like a lot of teams in, in our conference do, but they're going to be uh they're going to be a team that's going to give us, they, they, they love to beat us, right? That's, I think at the end of the day, if they look up and down their schedule, the team in their conference that they want to beat is us. And just like, we want to beat them. Uh, but I think we're the better team this year just like I thought we were the better team last year. And I, 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 you know, uh, again, this is late in the season at this point, we're starting to talk. Yeah. Lots of things could change, right? Injuries and whatever suspensions or we could see a lot of different things happen. I, I think at the end of the day, if all things are equal, we're the better team in that game as well. The next one is the one that I'm, I'm really interested in. So, so Arkansas state going back there real quick. I mean, long history there. Long history of uh, pretty much the home team winning the game. The Cajuns bucked the trend two years ago, beat Arkansas State, Arkansas State at home. So it'll be interesting. I, <laughs> surprisingly, have friends there from my time in Memphis that went to Arkansas State that I always sure. enjoy going up there for basketball and everything. But next, two home games. Uh, again, you're listening. We're talking with Craig Melanson and uh, Dave Amato. Uh, Dave, you know, you got Texas State and Georgia State coming in. Two teams that traditionally yeah. the Cajuns have dominated. Texas State being one of those guys that the Cajuns have never lost to. It's like that long winning streak I think we talked about of a couple of weeks ULM, or last yeah. week that, that against ULM. Not this year, not this year. Well, I'm really saying, please, Texas State, not this year. So uh, what, what's your thoughts on Texas State there? 
So the next two games scare me a little bit. Um, and I say that for this, I, I, again, like I, I mentioned last week, I think Texas State is a better football team this year than they have been in the past. They've got a lot of things going for them. And I think it's a make or break year for uh, Spadaball as the coach uh, there at Texas State. So I think he he's going to go all out. He's going to try to win a lot of games. Uh, we do have, again, we get nine days off again going into this game. Um, but I think that's going to be a tough game. We get them at home, and I love having them at home. They have not beaten us. I don't think this is the year they do it. This is a year that I think that game gets very close. I think it's going to be fun to watch. I really like their Brady McBride, the quarterback, and I, I think he's going to be a guy we've got to contain because he can do some special things. But the game behind that, and I know you and I differ on where they're going to finish in the conference, but the game behind that does make me nervous. One, because we, we only have a five-day layoff for the next game. Right. We go we, we have to play Georgia State right after that on a Thursday night with a guy who I believe could be the third best quarterback in the conference and Cornelius uh, Brown. Um, that's going to be a game that concerns me because we don't have a, a big turnaround and they're a team that's, I think, going to be OK this year. They're going to be pretty good. Um, but but yeah, it's it, that's going to be a tough one because it's only a five day turnaround. Well, I, I I agree with you, but here here's the thing though that where I think that the Cajuns have the big advantage. The Cajuns are home on Saturday, October 30th. Homecoming, they get all that crap out of the way. Uh, Georgia State is actually at Georgia Southern that Saturday, so not. Well, now I didn't it, know that. So yeah, no, it it's, make a big it's only a three or four hour drive, probably a four hours by bus, but they still have to go back to Atlanta and then come here. So to me, advantage Cajuns there all the way. And then not only that, they're away against Coastal Carolina the next week. I'm not saying, well, that it's uh, nine days away, but but still, and I know they're not looking past the Cajuns of Coastal Carolina, but at the same time, there's a lot there for them. Oh, yeah. No, that's two tough games for them in back-to-back, and you're right. I, I, I didn't realize they, they had to go to Georgia Southern, and then, you know, like you said, they got a bus back. They fly into probably New Orleans and then bus over to us. That's that's just – it's going to be tough for them, too. So, that's a big turnaround for both teams. We got Troy the next week. Troy's going to be fun. I think Troy's going to be a good offensive team, a, a weaker defensive team. Following that, but we get the nine off again. We got a lot of nine day off breaks, which I think is really good for the health of the team. Um, I see that being a game we win. The next one is the one that I think it has nothing to do with conference, nothing to do with, you know, unless we're playing for a New Year's Six Bowl. The next one's the one that I really am excited to see these two teams battle each other. We've got to go to Lynchburg, Virginia, and play Liberty, who might have one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the country. Um, uh, Malik Willis is very good. And if he's healthy and he's playing the way he can, the Cajuns are going to have a tough time at Liberty. Um, Well, I will tell you when I was told about the game, when when it was signed, the contract, home and away contract, I believe the original idea of the Cajun athletic department was we were going to buy out the return trip to Liberty because it didn't feel like it was 
for lack of a better term, worthy of us going going there right. uh, and try to get another home game. But as it turns out, Liberty has has uh, excelled, and and uh, you know it's honestly it's one of those things that uh, a late season game that can be quite a heck of a matchup and can also be for the G five representation yeah, of the New York Six. I, I was about to mention that. Think about how important that game could be. If we beat Texas, we roll through the conference like we think we might be able to. We turn around and play Liberty in the 11th game of the season in a game that could be two two defeated G5 teams playing each other that late in the season. That could be, and I know there'll be bigger games that could be on the slate. There is a possibility, and I am, I'm going to say this a little bit tongue-in-cheek. There is a possibility that that could be an ESPN game on a game day. Yes. It's not unheard of that they've done it before that late in the season and made a choice that if these two teams are that good, they could say this is a game day situation, which really would frustrate me because, God, I would want that to be a Cajun field game, not a Liberty game. Yeah. Well, the Cajuns cannot look past Troy at that point if it gets to that point. And I know everybody's going to be looking at it, the, you know, the week, two weeks before with Georgia State at home and then at Troy, it, you know, everybody's going to keep looking towards that Liberty game. Cajun fans, well, forget Cajun fans. Fans are fans. And there's a reason it's fan and short from fanatic. But let's – Cajun players don't look past each game. And I know Billy Napier yeah. is not – Coach Hudspeth, he's not, he's not, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to bang on Coach Hudspeth, but uh, he's 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 a different breed, and I'm I'm almost yeah. So, uh, you know, and then we finish. Yeah, I was gonna say, you're listening. You're listening. (laughs) We're talking with Craig Malasa and Dave Amato. Uh, We're gonna finish up here right here, and it's gonna be a short little segment here with with uh, finishing up against ULM. I think ULM does get yeah. better, but they're, I don't think they're there. They're. Yeah, we touched on it last week. I think ULM will be improved. I don't know how many wins that equates to. I think they'll be a better football team because they can't be any worse than they were last year. Um, but I still think that, that ULM and is not nearly the team that, that, that the Cajuns are. And if, again, health and everything else, that should be a game. Look, after we go through the conference slate and the out-of-conference slate that we talked about, if we're sitting there and playing ULM, the Cajuns just have to get through that game healthy and get ready to to play for, yeah. for what might be a, either you – know, it's going to be a bowl game, but it might be a very big bowl game. Yeah. Well, no more looking ahead towards ULM, so uh... – you're listening to uh, We're Talking with Craig Malonso and Dave Amato. Uh, we'll be back after this short break here, and we'll get into a little bit deeper with the Texas Cajun game, one game that we glossed over, and we'll get back with our uh, thoughts on the game and also maybe our somewhat predictions. Welcome back to We're Talking with Craig Malonso and Dave Amato. Uh, I know both Dave and I, we talked about it early in the broadcast, 
but we I don't think we can emphasize it enough, Dave. If you can give to a charity that supports hurricane relief, whether whether it's in New Orleans, Terrebonne Parish, uh, Lafouche Parish, whatever parish it is, please do your homework and give to those charities that can give and help support uh, our fellow, not, not only our fellow Cajuns, but our fellow Louisianans uh, that, that, can, that can use your support right now. So Absolutely. So, Dave, uh, we've, we've put it off. It's the first game of the season, and we're talking about it last. My God, what can be bigger than the University of Texas and, the, and, and Louisiana? What could be bigger than that? I, I just don't see it. Look, it's a, it's a special weekend to think that um, how – I've been following – we talked about this briefly – I, I, last week, I, I've been following the Cajuns since 1987, and I don't know in my mind if I ever expected the Cajuns would open a season against a top 25 team, and they were ranked, and this game was going to be on national TV, and it was going to be one of only a couple of nationally televised top 25 teams playing each other. Right. And that's exactly what we have coming into this week. Right. We have no idea what Texas is. Um, new coach, new quarterback, lots of new position players. They're going to be talented because, as I've said many times to anyone who wants to listen, they've got four and five star players peppered all throughout their lineup. They are a very good football team, whether they're three and 10 or three and nine, or nine and three. They're a very good football team. They're always going to be a good football team. There's so many unknowns with this team. It's going to be fun to see a team that doesn't have the necessarily big-name players that Texas does, right, coming in. But the experience, and the head coach has been there a long time, versus a team that has head coach and a lot of named talent going in this team finished seven three last year right they went five and three in the in the, the big 12 they're they're not a bad football team they put up points they could score at the first two games of the season they scored 59 and 63 points now one of them was utep who's terrible and the other one was texas tech but they put up points against other teams as well it's not like they score points we're going to have to slow them down some kind of way, right? And I think that's the advantage that we do, is that our defense is pretty good. Um, and and they don't know what they have at quarterback. They well, I, I was going to ask you, is that is that a big – I mean, more so than – I, I mean, I mean, yeah. normally you, you have a team like Alabama or, or even LSU or, or – uh, you know, Mississippi State that brings in a freshman quarterback, Auburn, whatever it may be, any SEC team, I guess. And then you're going like, okay, well, th there's a reason this guy's on the roster. Is that a big unknown for them, though? I, I think it is to this point. Look, I up until they made the announcement, I made the assumption that Casey Thompson was going to be their quarterback. And the only reason I said that was because – I who had played a little bit more last year, and I thought they'd go with the familiarity of Casey Thompson. They're going with Hudson Card, who I think the upside of Hudson Card 
is huge, but he is a complete unknown, right? He, he threw three passes last year. Um, two of them were in the last game of the season. One was in the first game of the season, and two were in the last game of the season. So they, do, you, he do, didn't, you, do you think he hits a quick hook then? If, if they go in, they go I, down? Oh, I, I don't think there's a question. We're going to see both quarterbacks. I think the question is going to be how quickly does Sark pull the trigger on making the move? Um, I, from what I've read, neither one of them has super impressed any of right. the coaches in practice, right? I think Hudson Card to them is the one that has such a big upside that in their minds, hey, man, if he can do what we think he can do, he'll be the better option. Um, but I do believe if he struggles early, because remember, this is the first time he's really going to take the field in front of a hundred plus thousand people playing a, a top 25 team, right. And making a, his first start. If he, if this is, if the, if the scene is too big and he struggles early, I think Sark will have a quick hook on him to go to a guy who did put up great numbers in the limited time he had last year. But again, it was very limited for him too, because Ellinger was their guy last year. He he was going to, he would have played every snap of every game had it not been that they blew those two teams out. Right. Well, so I, I, it's a big question at quarterback. So let's forget about the quarterback for now. Let's talk about the running back. Lots of hype there. Uh, yeah. Supposed. I shouldn't say suppose it. Obviously, Heisman Trophy uh, candidate there, and I, I don't want to downplay that at all because they've had some great running backs there. What do you What are you seeing there? Look, the expectation is that B. John Robinson is going to be the man, um, and and he might be. Um, and he put up very big numbers last year. Um, he, he had seventeen yards carrying the ball, four TDs in a ten game season. I, I think they love him. They absolutely love him. And he's going to be the feature back, but they're, they're deeper than that, right? They've, they've got another guy, Rashawn Johnson, who I watched a little bit of their spring game, and he was a really talented guy. He's going to be their number two guy. But they brought in a transfer from Alabama, who's a pretty big name in, in Keelan Robinson. They're going to be deep at running back. Bijan Robinson is going to be the guy. He's going to get most of the carries. He's going to do most of the heavy lifting. The Cajuns have to do the same thing they did against Reese Hall, who was a great running back last year at Iowa State. They don't have to stop him. They've just got to contain him, right? He's not. He's going to get his yards. There is no question that Robinson's going to gain his yards. What they can't do, and just like they did against Iowa State, they've got to limit the big play. They can't have the 75-yard run, the 40-yard run, the 60-yard. They've got to tackle him when they get the chance. When he's in front of them, they've got to bring him down, right? And if they do that, that's going to make a big difference. You know what this reminds me of? Because uh, I, I – you know, you you and I both read the message boards and, you, and they're talking about Texas. Well, if the Cajuns didn't have the punt return, if the Cajuns didn't have the kicker, if, 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 if it was a fifth, we could all get drunk. But at the same time, right. I, I remember going to Washington State 
93, 94, somewhere in there. And the Cajuns play Washington. We get beat 77 to seven. And of course, at mm-hmm. that point, I've, I've had a few adult beverages talk to my friends there that at Washington state. And I'm like, you know, if you guys didn't have the punt return, didn't have the long pass plays, they didn't have the long running plays, you know, this game would be seven yeah. to seven right now. You know, it's it, you know, yeah, but the, the fact remains is that Iowa state didn't give those things. To the Cajuns, they, the Cajuns yeah. took them and I expect the same thing. It for, well, I should say if the Cajuns are going to win, we have to expect the same things out of those defense in the special teams. And also we can't turn over the ball. So oh, no, no, absolutely. We cannot turn over the ball. That's, it's going to be, and, and on the flip side of that, we've got to force them into turnovers. They've got a young quarterback who can make mistakes. We're going to have to do that. Right. Um, it, it, they're going to want to pound the ball. There is no question about it. Texas is going to hand the ball off. They're going to, to try to run the ball as much as possible. And if they see that they can do that against us, they're going to continue to do it. We need to force them into the throwing the ball where I think that is our, our, our strength, because I think we're going to get some good pressure on the, on the quarterback. But more importantly, I think our back end defensive backs are very good. And they've got some question marks at wide receiver. They lost some guys. They've got one really good guy in Joshua Moore who I, I'm really impressed with. And he's he had nine touchdowns out of his 30 catches last year. Nine of them were touchdowns. But they lost uh, uh, Brennan Eagles, who was a really good guy. And they lost Jake Smith, who was a really good uh, wide receiver, who transferred. So um, let me ask you this. I, I just I pull up UT schedule. I, I type in UT football schedule. Does it bother Texas people that University of Tennessee comes up before the University of Texas? I, I would assume that would bother them. Yes. I, I don't know All that right. for a fact that I'm not that close to them, but I, I would, I would assume that would bother them. So, all right. The Cajuns are ranked number 23 in the USA today coaches poll and the AP poll 23. Any chance of Texas looking past the Cajun to the uh, separate uh, September 11th, a week later at Arkansas? It's, it's highly possible. Um, Arkansas is going to be a better football team than they've been in a long time. I don't think there's any question about well, that. Well, and that's think, not hard to do, quite honestly, either, though, right? <laughs> no. Sorry. It's, it's, not hard to, it's not hard to do, but but going to be they're – not, they're not going to be a team that's going to contend for the SEC title, but they're a team that's going to contend for a bowl game this year, and I think they're going to be – they're going to be fun to watch. And I think, I think, look, Arkansas is going to beat some teams that we didn't expect them to beat, right? But they've been terrible for a long time. Uh, so, Dave, wait, before we go any further, I noticed that you reached into your refrigerator. And for those that don't know, we're doing this, we're doing this uh, through Zoom. So I get to see Dave. Dave gets to see me. And, uh, and uh, Dave reached in his refrigerator and had a new drink. So, uh, Dave, what are you, what, what are you uh, participating in now? This is a Founders All Day Vacay. It's a session we ale. Okay. God bless you. So. No. <laughs> I, I am on to a Woodford Reserve uh, weeded Kentucky straight wheat whiskey. So well, you know, uh, we, we we have we have to talk about our alcohol because Jay Walker I said know. that we need 
we need to spend more time talking about alcohol or at least drink more. I don't yes. know which one he meant, but he said we had to do that. Well, and we're not worthy unless Jay uh, blesses us after this one. So uh, <laughs> that's exactly right. Sorry. Right, let's uh, forget about Arkansas. Let's forget about what they have left with, with the, you know, I noticed they have Rice and Texas Tech at home before they head to TCU, Oklahoma. But at the same time, the Cajuns, what is what is the if you had something to pick, what is what is the main thing the Cajuns have to do right over everything else? Assuming they do everything else good, what do we need yeah. to do great? You touched on it just briefly. Um, we cannot turn the ball over. I think that is a huge key. Uh, I, look, I think at the end of the day, the the game plan has to be super similar to what the Iowa State game plan was, which is limit the big plays. They've got lots of talent at the skill positions that can beat you. Um, they've got a super tight end that I'm scared to death of, um, who's a freshman in Jatavian Sanders. They've got to limit the big plays from their offense keep the tackles in front of them, make sure they bring them to the ground, force them into third and long situations. I think that's huge. And, and they, we cannot turn the ball over, right? We have to, the, the mistakes we made, and I think this is the, right, compare the Mississippi State game uh, in the to the Iowa State game in uh, Iowa, in Ames, Iowa. And the difference in that game was the turnovers, right? And the big plays. If we limit the big plays in front of us and we don't turn the ball over, I think at the end of the game, the Cajuns are so close to this, they have an opportunity to win. If we make mistakes, we turn the ball over and they get gouge yards right in front of us, I think that's where we we struggle. But if we can do those two things and it's it, – like, they can move the ball from the 20 to, to the 20, but they cannot score, right? If we can limit them to field goals, and we can, that's going to be the difference maker. And I think at the end of the day, that's how we beat them. Well, before I ask you this next question, let me preface this by I do not think that, and I do not want to hang this all on Levi Lewis, but at the same time, uh, let's talk about how much Levi has matured over that Mississippi State state game two years ago i mean are, are you seeing the difference i mean i mean oh, obviously I, I absolutely. he's about to be uh the winningest quarterback in cajun history and all these things you know we can talk about it no, I, go ahead yeah no i absolutely think he's a different player um that being said he made some mistakes last year that that look that you question right one of them was in the the coastal Carol the COVID Carolina game that I think could have arguably cost us the game. But look, quarterbacks are going to make mistakes. I think fans get frustrated in situations like that. But he is a different player. To I think back to the South Alabama game where he first walked onto the field, right? We didn't know anything about him except that he was this young guy that we thought could be really good. He walked into a situation, played, eh, fairly well not great he's a different kid this year right he's a special talent the difference is going to be limiting his mistakes 
right? Don't make that mistake in the worst possible situation. That's what happened to us at Coastal. Uh, and, and, and he can't do that again, right? He's got to be smart with the football. When he has the chance to run, and I'm going to say this like every other fan that follows the Cajuns, when he has the chance to run, Levi's got to run. When he has the chance to throw it away, he needs to throw it away. Outside of that, Levi's, Levi's got some super talent, and he's got a great arm. Look, Billy has said this before, and he'll say it again. I don't think there's a whole lot of argument that if if Levi was 6'3", he would not be playing for the Cajuns, oh. right? I remember, that's a quote from him directly. If he was 6'3", he wouldn't be playing for the Cajuns. The talent is there. The brain is there. Nobody argues with Levi Smarts on the football field. He's an intelligent, brilliant kid. The question's going to be limit his mistakes, and we 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 could go all the way this year. Well, let me ask you this because uh, you know, why well, I shouldn't say it. let me let me make the statement is that because I have a I'm not going to say a different I do have a dis, different perspective being up in the booth with Jay and Gerald Broussard being on each side of me and some of the things like the, 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 the Georgia state game, I remember, uh, you know, I'm a spotter for, for them. So I've got my binoculars, uh, on the play. And then when I'm looking at the play, I'm like, don't throw the ball, don't throw the ball. And then he threw the ball and it was the interception in the Georgia state game. But Gerald came on right after that and said, talked about how the receiver, cut out instead of in and because it was a new receiver on the play and some of that happens and i'm not saying that happens every time with levi levi's no god we know that and i'm not trying to make him out right. but at the same time we've got to realize as fans that when you're watching especially in the stand if he throws an interception you're turning around telling your buddy see i told you so or he should have never yeah. thrown the ball but you don't get to see the replay on what really happened and all that so, but yeah, that's what makes fans great. Yeah, I mean, both sides. Yeah. And I talked about somebody look, that tonight. We're passionate, and that's what we want to stay. Look, think about this, right? We can complain all we want about Levi or this guy or that guy that's on the football field. I'm going to tell you this, and 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 I may get ripped tomorrow on Raging Page and on other websites. Uh, about saying this, but I would rather have Levi Lewis than any other quarterback that's not named Grayson McCall in the Sun Belt Conference. Yeah. Right. And, and and we've got some good ones in the conference, but I will take Levi over anybody that's not named Grayson McCall. And I might take him over Grayson McCall because we only saw one year of what Grayson could do. We know what Levi's going to give us. Right. So, so the fans can be mad about mistakes. He's going to make mistakes. Every quarterback's going to make mistakes, but he is not a guy who makes a ton of them. No, the difference, the only frustration I have with Levi is, and this might be more of the coaching aspect than the, than the, 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 the actual player. I think he's got to, run the when he has the chance to run we know how athletic Levi is there's no arguments from anybody 
sometimes he throws the ball what I think he should run. And I'm not a coach. Right. Billy, Billy Napier's forgotten more football than David Amato will ever know. Right. But there's sometimes I look at him and I'm at the field and I'm watching the game and say, Levi, you've got 10 yards in front of you, run the ball and he throws it and you go, stop throwing, you know, that's your play. You're so athletic do it. But I don't know. Again, I'm just a fan who watching the game. And a lot of that, like you said, we don't know how he was coached. So let's close out tonight. First, let's say you're listening to we're talking with Craig Malosa and Dave Amato. Uh, Second, uh, if you have the opportunity and you have the ability, please give to the hurricane relief. And I'm not just talking about New Orleans. Everybody focuses on New Orleans. And I mentioned Lafouche Paris and Terrebonne Paris and some other parishes there. But the people in Lake Charles from a year ago are still suffering with with plenty of things. But the funny thing about the people of Lake Charles, they're still giving to hurricane relief in New Orleans. So if you can help out either one of those locations, find a, a charitable organization that will support them and do your homework. Make sure that charitable organization gives money to the relief and just doesn't pocket it, okay? I, that's all I'm going to do. I'm not going to try to preach to anybody. But Dave, before we give our predictions here, I, I'm going to go first because we talked off the air. Uh, he, here's my thoughts. If, if the, the Cajuns, if, if they cover, and I don't mean if they cover in the sense of eight points or 12 points, whatever it is at game time, if the Cajuns cover, the Cajuns will win outright. There is no cover for the Cajuns. If they cover, they will win the game outright if they don't cover the points they're going to lose i mean and that's and you you may say well that's a stupid correct statement craig that's quite obvious my point is that the cajuns have to be in that position to uh to cover the points and win the game outright the cajuns don't and there's no more victories here we can say what we want if we lose by three points do we stay in the top 25 is that great maybe so but what happens later on if we lose to such and such? It doesn't matter. Go out and win this game is all my point is that the Cajuns will either win outright or they will not cover. So I'm sorry. Your thoughts, yeah. Dave? No, I, I think you, you're you very accurate with that. Um, I think, and I heard this on a podcast from the Texas guys that said, we don't want to be close in the fourth quarter because this team knows how to win late in games. They, they, you know, I think they said we had six or seven or eight games last year that were within one touchdown and we went seven and one or six and one or five, whatever it was. They don't want to be in a game that in the fourth. Look, one thing you got to give it up for Billy Napier, his teams late in the season, late in the game, are better than the teams that he's playing against, right? I think he goes into halftime, he makes great adjustments, and his teams are conditioned well. I don't think they want to be in that situation. This is one of those games that if Texas jumps out and gets way ahead of us, it could be an ugly game, right? They have the talent. They could do that. If the Cajuns keep it close, which I really believe they will, and we go into halftime in a close game, and we go into the third quarter in a close game, I think the Cajuns win it in the second half. 
My my prediction um, is that the Cajuns win this by about a touchdown or 10 points. I think they win it, and my number is somewhere between 30 to 20 or 27 to 17. I think the defense really steps up, and they they play well. Um, but again, it's gonna a lot of it's gonna be dependent on how close we are. And look, if we go into halftime and we're within three points or winning. I think it's our game. I really believe that. Um, but again, we've got to, we've got to, we can't make the early mistakes. We can't, we can't fumble the ball. And that's going to be another question. Look, how many times we, you and I talked about this, I, I think briefly at, at some point, how many times did you ever see Trey Regis or Elijah Mitchell fumble the ball? I don't remember I don't in their careers fumbling the ball. I'm sure they did, they but did. I don't remember it. <laughs> But they it did. Was, it was not very. It wasn't no. often. No, it wasn't. Right. I don't question the talent of the running backs that we have. I think they're very good. I think Chris Smith and Imani Bailey and and all these guys are going to be great. My question is, do they hold on to the ball like Trey Regis did? Do they hold on to the ball like Elijah Mitchell did? Do they make the plays when they need to make? I don't need you. To to run for 17 yards or 50 yards i need you to run for five when you need four right and i think yeah. that's going to be the question so we'll we'll figure it out but i think the cajuns look i'm a homer but i'm going to say it i think the cajuns win and i think they win between the touchdown and, uh, and 10 points that, that's my that's my prediction nothing wrong with being a homer uh well with that being said though dave thank you so much as always appreciate it uh and uh, for both Dave and I, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna plead, beg, whatever. If you can give to Hurricane Relief, uh, I know there there are many things that you can uh, give to in your life, uh, but if if you can just just give a little bit, every every five dollars helps, every one dollar helps. So, but for for Craig Malasso and Dave Amato, I just want to say thank you for listening, and thank you for those and. Whether, whether 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 you gave to hurricane relief or said a prayer for somebody thank you so much uh we'll be back next week with a recap of the uh case in texas game and a quick look at the neck nickels game so for craig again for craig malasso and david amato you've been listening and we're talking and maybe i did have a few bourbons tonight have a good night dave